Chapter thirty three of Anglo American Memories by George Washburn Smalley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty three Mr. Mills, a personal appreciation, and a few anecdotes. I recrossed the Atlantic for a moment. There died lately in California a man known on both sides of the ocean, known in more worlds than two, one of the strongest and certainly one of the most amiable figures in the world of business, Mr. Darius Ogden Mills. Of late years, since Mr. Reed has been ambassador, Mr. Mills had become a figure in London. He interested Englishmen because he was a new type, or rather because he was individual, because he was Mr. Mills type implies a plurality and not only was there but one mills there was none other to whom you could compare him englishmen have formed a notion of their own about americans of the class to which in respect of his wealth mr mills belonged and a high notion they have seen much for example of mr pierpont morgan and they seemed inclined to suppose all great financiers to be in manner as in fact masterful dominating huge in physique born rulers of other men they had never seen much if anything of mr harriman who hid away his great qualities beneath a personality almost insignificant in appearance save for the ample head and burning eyes mr mills was perceived to be like neither of these nor like any third he was much more like an oxford professor like the late reverend mark pattison rector of lincoln the casabon of george eliot's novel mr mills had the gentleness the refinement the distinction of the scholar it must have been born with him he went to no college he had little college learning he had lived in rough times and among rough men had twice crossed the continent on foot and in the saddle with a cloud of red indians ever on the horizon and had lived in san francisco during those stormy years when bret hart's heroes gamblers and ruffians set up their turbulent rule but there was a light in mr mill's pale blue eyes which kept those gentlemen at a distance this delicately featured face ended in a jaw which was an index of a character not to be trifled with. Upon all this, London remarked with some surprise, and then with great respect and liking. They liked his simplicity of manner as much as his sagacity of speech, and his silence almost as much as his conversation. An American who was an American to the fingertips, but never waved the flag. A man of affairs who seemed in the world only a man of the world, a millionaire in whose pockets the jingle of the dollar was never heard such was the rare picture mr mills presented he won their sympathies because he never tried to these islanders like a man who is just himself yet is absolutely free from self-assertion they gave him first their respect then their regard and finally their affection i have seen all these feelings shown in the metropolitan club in new york in an unusual way mr mills used to come into the card-room of an afternoon there would be two or three or more rubbers of bridge going on bridge is a passion but men would stop in the middle of a rubber and ask mr mills if he would not take a hand or make up a new rubber bridge being not only a passion but the selfish game it is necessarily so like business the tribute was a remarkable one 
if he declined somebody would remember suddenly he had an engagement and beg mr mills as a favor to take his place as he moved about in the club men rose and walked across the room to greet him a thing less rare in new york but unknown in london where a club has been defined as a place in which a man may cut his best friend and no offence taken the general ceremoniousness of club life in new york would close all the clubhouses in london so would the despotism of new york club committees men listened to him or waited for him to speak in a way which suggested not only a desire for an opinion but an attachment to the man he himself was one of the best listeners ever known when he spoke it was briefly he could say what he wanted to in a sentence or a few sentences in this he was like another and a greater oxford don i suppose the greatest of his time jowett the master of balliol both sat long silent while others were talking and both seemed to use and jowett certainly did use the interval in fashioning his thoughts into epigrams jowett's epigrams often stung and were meant to sting for he thought presumption and ignorance ought to be punished perhaps mr mills did but he did not think he had been appointed to punish them a group of men in the club were one day discussing great fortunes and the men who owned them everybody thought and spoke in millions and tens of millions finally someone appealed to the only silent man in the company what do you say mr mills i say that in all these cases or almost all i think it's safe to divide the figures by two in your own case also above all in my case we travelled up together once by the night express to the adirondacks on a visit to mr reed's camp arriving at the station at six in the morning then driving to the lake then in a boat to the camp which could not be reached otherwise after his long night journey he was fresh and alert and not the least tired and he talked freely he even discussed business and presently remarked i have been a little anxious about money matters and was not sure i could get away from new york but why oh but my bank balances are much larger than i like them to be i made the obvious and rather foolish answer that there were plenty of people who would be willing to relieve him from this anxiety to which he retorted you know nothing about it i am not speaking of myself but a man in my position has his duties as trustee for others to consider whether i get three per cent or four per cent for my money may not much matter though i prefer five but to many of those for whom i act it does matter and to them i am under an obligation i must fulfil no man who is not or has not been in business can have any notion of the ramifications and complications of business but it's worth your while to consider that it was the longest speech i had ever heard him make and the didactic touch at the end was equally new it was not his way to lecture people he held strong considered opinions on many subjects but thought it no part of his duty to impress them on the world though his sure judgment was at the service of his friends his fame and wealth and position had come to him from what he had done not by sermonizing or rhetoric men trusted him there was perhaps no man more generally trusted it is nothing to say he never betrayed a trust he discharged it to the utmost measure of his ability 
the money which others had put into his hands had to earn as much as money could earn three per cent on deposits would seem to an englishman affluence but mr mills appeared to think he was unfair to his clients to be content even temporarily with three when it could be invested to earn more at the camp he talked more freely than elsewhere the air was tonic the life suited him in the adirondacks you do get back into closer relations with nature and on more intimate terms with the great natural forces about you this is true in spite of the luxurious simplicity of the camps but mr mills was always happy where his daughter was i may not dwell on such a matter but her devotion to him was the light of his life he came to london to be with her she returned to america to be with him if his duties and responsibilities had permitted his visits here would have been longer and more frequent once while i was sitting with him in his office in broad street his lawyer came in with a contract for him to sign mr mills hardly glanced at it took up his pen to sign stopped and said to the lawyer i suppose it is all right oh yes mr mills i think you will find your interest protected in every way that is not what i mean i want to know whether you have drawn this agreement so as to leave mr a a profit large enough to ensure his doing his best he must have his fair share a business view perhaps and for aught i know common in the business world but i had never happened to hear it put quite like that nor have i since with that may be compared another saying a little company all men of business but me were discussing business methods one or two of them stated rather crudely what are sometimes called the methods of wall street there is no sentiment in business said one a man who thinks of others interests will soon have none of his own to consider remarked a second and a third whose career was strewn with wrecks declared of course you have to crush those who stand in your way said mr mills i have done pretty well in business but i never crushed anybody the mills hotels were an expression of his sentiment toward the society amid which he lived to the environment which had given him his later opportunities he wanted to enlarge the opportunities of other men to sweeten their lives a little to enable them to do more for themselves his scheme was derided and was a success from the start and the success has grown greater ever since the success was due to the patience with which he thought out his plans the afternoon before i sailed from new york in nineteen o six i met mr mills and his victoria at the door of the metropolitan club come for a drive in the park he said and we went he began at once to talk about his new hotel we drove for two hours and during nearly all that time he discussed plans estimates details methods of economical working organization the effect on the tenants and a hundred other matters relating to the building equipment and operation of the hotel soon to be erected he had all the facts and figures in his mind he talked with an enthusiasm he rarely showed his heart was in it to the last his energy seemed inexhaustible and his interests he arrived one afternoon at dorchester house at five o'clock from new york there was a large dinner at eight thirty then a ball which he did not leave till toward one in the morning 
i met him again at tea next day and he told me he had been at the white city since nine that morning and when i suggested that he had gone about that marvellous but very fatiguing show in a chair he said oh no on my legs nor did he seem tired nor mind the prospect of another large dinner that night he was then eighty-two years old pneumonia had attacked him winter after winter but he always rallied and would take no better care of himself than before in that slight erect figure nature had packed powers of endurance which bigger frames had not everything was reduced to its essence there was nothing superfluous and nothing wanting the features were sculptured it was the face of a man who had a real distinction of nature who had benignity and judgment and acute perceptions all in equal measure they bore the stamp of an impregnable integrity as his life did unlike qualities in him melted into harmony and a rounded whole for with his unyielding firmness and strength and uncompromising convictions and invincible sense of justice went a loving kindness which made him the most lovable of men that was mr mills End of chapter thirty three